episode 29 of Thelma and Tom Look Left and uh, thank you for joining us and uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to this. We're going to go slightly off piste here and uh, we had a message from uh, a listener called Veruca and I don't know, I still don't know if it's a, a female or male, Veruca. It's it's not a name, you know, that you, obviously it's it's their Twitter name. But I, I don't know. I'm imagining it's someone female from the correspondent. I think there was a Veruca Salt, wasn't there? In, was Veruca it Charlie Salt. and the Chocolate Factory? Yes, it was a female name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might find out. Anyway, somebody with a problem with their feet, perhaps, Tom. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, well, let's not go, go too far into that. Um, but it, it was a great letter from, from Veruca, and I'm going to say she, and if it's a he, I apologise. And she was saying, uh, she picked up on something Thelma had said, a story uh, Thelma was telling, and, uh, and uh, about power and how the effect of power on, on people and, and how power corrupts and how there have been now scientific studies that actually can prove that power does actually change your psyche. And so we're going to try and talk about that for about half an hour and see how it goes. Um, it's a new departure. It's a bit academic for me, but I, I reckon Thelma will steam through on this one. Um, so I I want to take you back, Thelma. Oh, well, hello first, Thelma, and welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi. Uh, I want to take you back, Thelma, to that story that you were telling, because it was. I think this is the story that Vruka was thinking of, was when you were saying, what it was actually like being an MP in the House Houses of Commons and the way the staff treated you and so on and the effect you could feel how it could so easily have an effect on you. Do you want to go through that for us? Yes. Um, yeah, it was just a fairly throwaway comment, I seem to remember, but seems to have hit home with a few people um, about this idea of how, even as a socialist, um, when you're elected as an MP, the whole environment in Parliament is 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 like nothing else, really, um, that I've ever experienced. And the longer you're there, I suppose, like anything else, you get used to it. Um, but one of the things I, I always remember when I first went there was, well, firstly, how polite and courteous everybody is to you, um, which is nice. Um, but you you literally have the doorkeepers who are there all day when you're going towards the chamber um, and into the members lobby and they will stand at the doors and as you approach the doors magically open and there was usually a courteous word as, as, as you go in um, and as you go if I went in through carriage gates or uh, whichever of the entrances then the the police officers that are there um, would say good morning to you and it would be good morning mom or good evening mom which I found really really strange when I first um, came to parliament and because I'm a very informal person as you know Tom um, and, and the formality of it seemed really strange but what occurred to me, and now even more so, looking back on my time there, and it was only a short period of time, I realised that even within two and a half years of being there, I just took, I ended up taking it for granted. I, I just didn't think by the time I left, which is a fault, and I, I should have always thought about it, but by the time I did 
um, leave Parliament and when I lost my seat in Cone Valley, that um, experience I was just already taking for granted. And what I notice now is these young socialist MPs that were elected perhaps in, in well, it would be two, 2019, 2019, I actually already can see a bit of a shift in them, in one or two of them. I can, I can see a change. And I think it's only a very unique person that could be within that Westminster bubble for a very long period of time without almost succumbing to that ethos, if you like, that culture, the way, the way it is. It's all very calm, all very civilised. You know that all the plotting and <laughs> deals are being done, etc., cetera, uh, behind the scenes. And everything, as I say, is very courteous. But, but I, I do think it's, it is a very unique individual who is not sucked into that environment and the just getting used to um, uh, having the doors literally opened for you and the, and the whole gentility of it, if you like, um, it is a, you know, it's, it's a very unique experience, but as I say, a unique person who doesn't actually constantly question um, and, and, and consider it um, all the time there. Yeah, I can I can really feel it. You you described that really well. And and I when um when Vruka came through with this message and uh and about you know power and how power corrupts and all that, one thing I always do is I, I kind of feel like everything that a human being can experience, it's all within me actually. And so I started to try and figure out times in my life when I've had a bit of power and and how I've dealt with it and you know whether well or badly and one of the things that happened to me which was really quite telling and I'd never forget it really is I run a, a market stall in a, a in a market in Totnes and um, it's a fairly uh, aggressive atmosphere in a market you know it's very people guarding their space and very protective and and you have to fight for your for your existence in lots of ways and when I first pitched up I was quite a humble little guy and I, I um, wasn't pushy at all but the guy that running the market he obviously spotted that and he started to bully me and it took me over a year to get a, a permanent pitch in that market and the thing that changed it and he, he had complete power and control over me and I, every week I would say to my wife I'm not sure I can go on with this because I'm just getting pushed around anyway one day I turned up there and I was really like I can't go on with this and and the guy started started on me straight away and I amazingly really unlike me I lost my temper and it was ferocious and I scared the life out of this guy he couldn't believe what had just happened suddenly this really mild person turned into this absolutely real monster and I didn't do it on purpose it wasn't premeditated or anything and from that point on the whole relationship changed and I was the powerful one and he was the one without the power and the next week I got my permanent pitch and he was always nice to me oh hello Tom you got your rent money da, 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 da. The, everything completely changed 
suddenly the balance went my way and I was really, really aware of the effect it had on me. Suddenly I was like about four or five inches taller and, you know, I was one of the boys. And a couple of the other traders came up to me and said, oh, we've been waiting, you know, because they, they, they've known, they know that if you're going to survive in those kind of aggressive environments, it's hard if you're not aggressive. And that's not that's not a great situation, is it? But it's reality. Um, yeah, I suppose it is. I mean, obviously, my years of teaching, you can you, you learn an awful lot, don't you, about dynamics between uh, adults, teachers, support staff, staff teams, um, children. Um, and, and often we find that it's it's the bullies that are the biggest cowards when actually confronted. And you find that with adults, too. And um, I've certainly experienced that. Um, and, and I think as well, I mean, obviously you got to a point where it was like the worm turns and you'd had enough and you, you, know, you went for it. But I think you can, you can challenge bullying in different ways. And um, we've had conversations in the past, haven't we, Tom, about how we, how we see on social media that what has a really big impact is satire and poking fun at people who think, you know, have these grandiose uh, kind of plans, uh, you know, and, and, and impression of, the, you know, self, have no self-awareness and have that overconfident, arrogant uh, manner in the way that they behave. And I think the, the, the best way I survive in a way in politics and what I've done in the past and, and what I'm doing now is actually through humour and satire um, and I think the biggest bullies what they can't stand sometimes these people actually rile people up on purpose because it's sometimes you can end up looking the bad one if you if you turn and um, but actually what they can't stand most of these bullies because often they haven't got a sense of humour either is if people poke fun at them, if if there's satire there, and um, and that's what I I, I use a lot really um, with these bullies um, because they do exist in 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 the adult world and and playground bullies, literally playground bullies as well. Um, but um, we, I mean, we see bullying in like your situation on the market store. I would have loved to have been there and seen that, Tom. I can't imagine you being angry or losing it, but I would have loved to have been wasn't there. wasn't very pretty, Selma. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'd be great. I wish I'd have been there. Um, yeah, so, but you see it like that. You see it in relationships, um, you know, coercive control with, you know, people in a relationship. Um, you, you see it, I mean, we've got examples of, of what's happening in the Met at the moment, don't we, with what happened with the... Uh, Sarah Everard uh, vigil on that awful behaviour there and this poor young girl that was strip searched um, yeah. that yeah. you know the case that's come up recently over that um, is bullying and intimidation isn't it and co and, and coercive control um, so we have examples that are happening currently that um, are actually um, appalling and it's how we can't counteract that and, and how we respond to it that, that I think is the, is the important thing. But yeah, that power, that question of power, it's really important at the moment as well when we see uh, the conflict going on uh, in Ukraine at the moment and that wrestling for control and power and 
if you don't get the right people around the table and the negotiations going, we see the outcome now. Shocking scenes in, in Ukraine at the moment. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, that when, when you're talking about the police there and you just re- I mean, the police have huge power invested in them uh, and and in, and they need it to deal with some of the stuff they have to deal with. But clearly, a lot of the police aren't equipped to deal with having that power and they get out of control in much the same way as what happens with politicians or, or with just anybody really if you get too much power and you don't know how to deal with it or you're not aware of what's happening to you it can be really really awful and, and terrible consequences can happen and uh, and you know when you look at the met and i mean I'm, I'm no student of the met but the stories one after the other and you just think come on some of these someone needs to do something here and explain to these people look you've been given this responsibility you've got to learn how to handle it you've got to learn in pretty much the same way as happened to me in a way i mean i could have thought oh my god i've got something here i can start being the big big guy around the town but i kind of felt like this is quite dangerous i don't want mm-hmm. to i want to find a way just of sorting things out before i get to that point you know that's right. not where I- <laughs> No, I mean, with power comes responsibility, doesn't it? You know, and um, stop and search, for instance, and how that is used or abused is one thing we need to look at. And that's why I'm so concerned about the legislation going through Parliament at the moment, you know, and the threats to something that we've taken for granted, like the right for peaceful protest. And it's that idea of taking from ordinary people that right to protest, again, is a kind of making an ordinary person almost feel powerless um, in a way. And and that's why I think it's so important that those of us who have got a platform and and have, I suppose in some ways, you have to have courage to speak up for those people who do feel powerless. And, you know, I keep mentioning the number of people who are choosing not to vote. That that is another example of, of where every individual does have some power and one of the ways that they can exert some kind of, well, voicing their, their, their views and using some power is to vote. But so many are choosing not to because I think they feel because of our electoral system and constitution the way it is, that, that their vote doesn't matter. And I think that's where we've got to use our platforms to say to people, you know, you, you have got a voice, you, you know, um, and speak for them if, if they feel uh, that they haven't got the courage. But I, I, I do think, you know, talking about the, the police, but also in that case of Child Q, is it that young girl who, who was strip searched and, be, and treated so appallingly, that, you know, former head teacher here and teacher, that it was all the people around that child that should have been safeguarding her. It's not just the police for me in that case. That was about protecting a child and safeguarding a child. Um, so all those professionals that should have been safeguarding her, um, and that was a use of control and force on a vulnerable child. Uh, appalling case and, and and an example of, of that. But ju- just going back to you know what I was saying about Westminster, um, and I was thinking about this idea of where it perhaps goes wrong with certain politicians. And one of the things I was thinking about was the the number of, especially Tories who historically have had a very safe seat 
You know this. You know the the ones in Parliament that that have. It's always been a Tory seat going back in time, and they, as individuals, have gone to private school. Uh, you know, gone to Eton, then studied law, gone to Oxbridge, studied law, then straight into Westminster. And it's that privilege and establishment and that control, I suppose, that they've got over over their lives and their expectations, that that is part of the problem, I think, that um, I see. And I saw, when I was thinking about it and what we're going to talk about, I saw some words from Charles Kennedy, um, which I've, I've jotted down actually, Tom, because I was thinking about this and I thought in terms of safe seats and how it changes perhaps their behaviour. Um, and he said, I don't actually subscribe to the view that all power corrupts, but absolute power when secured on the back of massive parliamentary majorities, which don't reflect the balance of political opinion in the country can corrupt, absolutely. And I just thought, yeah, that 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 is true, actually, that if somebody historically gets this very secure from very secure, wealthy background, education in the set, you know, kind of, as I say, Eton, Oxbridge, etc., and then gets this seat for life, if you like, and doesn't feel at all threatened that they may lose their majority, it gives them that control and that arrogance and and I would say that there have been some historically in Labour that have sat on safe seats and have become very arrogant um, and and not been behaving I would say in the way that they they should do in representing the people Um, so I think that's a a form of power that idea I I, I agree with you Thelma when I was thinking about this myself I was thinking actually I can't really if you look at the history of the human race you can see that power does corrupt and it causes immense problems so then you have to think well the human being isn't capable of operating well some are clearly I've I've made a small list of people that I think you know seem to be able to deal with it but a lot of a lot of us, or a lot of politicians, especially, they they sense the power, they feel the power, and they get carried away by it, and then they get given too long, you know, like you're saying, uh, uh, you know, when um, when they made the uh, American Constitution, they the guy that designed that, or the guys that designed that, they really knew some stuff. I think I haven't again, I haven't studied it, but they they limited the terms that people could have the power uh, because. Uh, for obvious reasons, really. And when you look at a lot of the people that are causing problems in in this world, they've had the power for far too long and it's gone to their heads completely. And, uh, you know, if you think about Mrs. Thatcher and if you think about Tony Blair and you think about uh, President Putin, I know it's some people like him, but he's been there a long time. And the Chinese system where the guys just get there and they just sit there and they've got total power. It's mm. it, it's almost like if you really want to sort this out, you're gonna have to we're gonna have to redesign the system so that so that we take mm-hmm. into account that kind of human fallibility, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's having power and being able to let go as well when the time is because we're seeing it now, aren't we, with those controlling Starmer, it seems, that they're people who've had power and can't let go. 
and are, are trying to bring back a system or the way to run things that they were doing at the end of the 90s. And it's not working, um, but not in my view, it's not working. And it's, it seems to me it's people that just cannot let go of power. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you've been following um, just this, uh, was it yesterday, today, um, that Kate and William are on a royal tour of the Caribbean. And you can see that they're, they're just trying to replicate what the Queen did when when she was first crowned and, and the tour of the, well, the colonies, as it were, um, and this clinging on to the empire, which most people can see that it, it's, it's, it's dying. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's an anachronism. It's, um, and to me, I've just seen a clip on it on social media of William and Kate and they look uncomfortable to me. I just, you know, I just think they're trying to do something that is from, well, when the 1950s, um, when the Queen was first crowned. And it's it's not appropriate. It's appalling um, for those people that are living there and they want a democracy and a republic. And, um, and I, I do feel quite strongly, you know, why, why are we clinging on to the empire? And, um, you know, I, I really do, as a Republican, think that the Queen has, you know, served uh, for so many years and has devoted her life um, to her role. But I honestly think it's a time when she uh, passes away um, that, that we should review how our whole system is, is set up um, and, and look to give people a choice um, in terms of changing that, because I think that is about control and keeping ordinary people in their place and supporting the establishment. I do feel that really strongly. Yeah, I think the royal family is a classic example of uh, power. Just well, it doesn't. It just sits there, doesn't it? It's never it, well. It, it's kind of questioned, but not by the establishment. They all accept it. They all take their knighthoods and da 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 da. And and those guys, when you listen to them talk, when you listen to I've, I've not met Prince Charles and I've, I've heard farmers around here say he's a very nice man and all the rest of it. But when I've seen him and I thought he's just taking so much for granted about what his power is. You know, he he owns vast tracts of this country. The royal family own vast tracts of this country. They just take it for granted that it's theirs and they don't question it. And they don't question the fact that you know, they, they expect some kind of loyalty from us. The, the, the national, oh God, oh, don't get me started, but you know, it's the whole, th and, and I totally agree with you. I, I, I almost felt sorry for William and Kate. They looked like they kind of know that the game's Yeah, up. I think so. Um, I think one of our earlier podcasts, I talked to you about how to a certain extent and as a lefty and republican <laughs> people will say oh come on that I actually feel sorry for some members some not all members of the royal family that I think they're in this miserable situation that um really at one time maybe was okay but they that they, they, they don't know quite what to deal how to deal with it and it's outdated and you can see that Harry and Meghan have escaped to America 
and you just feel you've got all, all this that's been going on with Prince Andrew and the shame of all of that and it, they just seem dysfunctional as, as a family and seem really unhappy um, because they keep they're sustaining something which is as I say so outdated it is an anachronism and it's it and it's to a certain extent it's ordinary people that keep it going because it's kind of like this myth if you like it's not real and and I can see Kay kind of looking more and more miserable you know and I just think what what a shame you know so I, to a certain extent I, I, I do feel sorry for them because I think they're in this situation that they are sustaining but are really unhappy um, and it's certainly not working for our country. I mean, it wouldn't stand up to scrutiny would it you know if you could get to talk talk to some of these people I, I, I always feel like I, it would be really nice to actually get into a situation maybe maybe where you're in a car with someone like William or someone and you kind of start talking to him about how on earth can this be that you know you're some kind of special person with different blood and you know you can only marry I mean the whole thing is it's like a kind of totally illogical it's not even a fairy story is it it's, it's just a fabricated plot really to hang on to their wealth like you know uh, well I think and the mainstream media support all of this of course you know most of them do um and I, you know as I say I, I just I, I, this is just my opinion but I just watch William and Kate and she was so vibrant when they first met, just so lovely and vibrant and happy. And to me, she just looks miserable and a different person. And I saw that. I'm old enough to remember watching Diana. The same thing happened to her. And it, it's almost like they get sucked into this misery. And that I could be completely wrong, but I, I just get that impression. I don't know. I, I watched The Crown. I thoroughly enjoyed it it and i i gotta say i believed about 90 percent of it i reckon it's pretty accurate uh depiction of how the royal family operates and it's a tough gig to be involved in uh you know the the main players uh they do okay but everyone else just has to pick up the tab really and pe people like diana i mean it was and We've gone well off the subject here, Thelma, but never mind. I mean, people, people like Diana, I mean, she had zero power and and she was in a terrible situation. And and, and according to the Crown uh, TV programme, <laughs> she was, I mean, abused, really. I mean, you know, I think when he yeah. got back from the honeymoon, he went and stayed with Camilla. And you just think, how, how can anybody think that this is OK? Um, mm. But that's what power gives you. Well, you know, I think, the right yeah, I, I, I think um, ultimately, um, then Diana, though, did show that she had an inner strength there, didn't she, to to kind of fight back? And she did that interview, didn't she? Yes. Um, and so she, you know, a bit like you with your market stall, Tom. Um, I think Diana was pushed to the point where she thought, OK, right, I'm going to speak now. Um, yeah. And she did. She, yeah. she really did. So I think that's, um, and the same with the Prince Andrew case, where the victims there, Epstein's victims, have, you, you know, that abuse of power against young, vulnerable um, girls and young women. They, some of them have had their day in court and been able to speak truth to power. So again, an example of vulnerable people who do gain that inner strength to be able to fight the system. And I think that's, you know, really important.
Yeah, so there's lots of examples of how power uh, causes real problems, and there aren't that many examples of how it's... Uh, I mean, it is something that exists, and it's something that we all have to deal with in our everyday lives. So whenever we meet anybody, in you know, actual fact, uh, there's a, a we wait. Like if I meet a new person, if a new market trader comes to town, or or in any relationship, if I'm buying or selling, one of us will have the power, and one won't. And that's how the, the human dynamic works. And there, so there's lots of examples of how power gets misused. Uh, there are some people, I think, who can deal with it in an in a uh, an honourable way. I mean, one uh, President Mandela comes to mind as the the real big example, and the 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 president of the Uruguay, a guy called um, Mujica, I think he is. I think he lives in a little house and he drives around in a humble car and he's. He makes a real big effort not to get carried away by wealth. Again, is a, an aspect of power in a way. Well, definitely is. Mm. I know that from personal experience, really. That the, the more money you have, the more power you have. Um, and when you're poor, it's the opposite. Uh, you're powerless. Uh, and if you mm. look at these, these really, really rich people, they're not really affected by the things that get to us. They... They've, they've bought their way out of the, you know, the day-to-day economics of a country, say that we're, we're about to get knocked for six by poverty and God knows what, fuel bills and all the rest of it. It's not going to affect the, the really rich people. They're, they've managed to get by their way out of it. They've got the power to get out of that kind of situation. So it seems to me it's all about trying to get the people in charge who can handle the power and trying to have a system that recognizes that you know people are best in short bursts in a way uh because like you know i mean i I don't know i I really don't know but when tony blair first came got power i was quite enthusiastic i've got to be honest and i probably ruined my political pundit career here by saying that but i was no no, i i agree with you i i went out um door knocking and giving out leaflets for tony blair he came to Combe valley i remember standing behind him outside the labor office when he came and david blunkett he helped david blunkett cross over the road and i I remember it well and and thinking i saw him speak a couple of times when he came to huddersfield Uh, what a charismatic great speaker interpersonal skills really good um yeah I that's that's how I felt I mean I wasn't as knowledgeable about politics or as involved obviously as I was at a later date because I was busy full-time teacher and two young kids etc you know so um but I yeah I'm with you Tom I you know I was I think he changed Thelma I think he changed I don't think he was hiding something I think he genuinely got affected by the adulation and uh, I mean, he did quite well. His government did quite well, and people liked him. They voted him back in again. He started to feel a bit in- invincible, and uh, I do I think it went to his head. And I think if you think about, um, I think Neil Kinnock. I mean, he used to be quite lefty, uh, as I remember him, and he was like a kind of man of the people, and da da da. da. Suddenly, it's like he's a lord in the lords and he owns loads of property and he's made loads of money. And, and his, his whole kind of attitude towards politics is so different to what I felt like it originally was, where I honestly thought he was on my side kind of thing. And now you listen to him and he's like, absolutely the establishment. He walks around in ermine and you just think, oh, dear, 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 dear. 
I don't think either of them, for me, were so ever socialists. I mean, you know, King, King up went for the for the left in Labour as leader, um, and Blair did continue a lot of Thatcher's policies, or he certainly didn't undo them. So I would never say they were socialists, but I do believe you're right in that. I I mean, I went to hear Neil Kinnock uh, speak at Stockport College one time, and it was a real firebrand. You know, his speech was absolutely great um very powerful um but you see you're right you see him now um and you know the the kind of uh so arrogant and so full of themselves and uh yeah i do think they've changed i mean i thought when Tony Blair started getting involved with meetings with George Bush you know on his ranch and all of that you just felt he was loving all of it, you know. He was loving that the power of of, of the position and my, um, you know, mates with with Bush and um, with the president and all of this and and you see all that network, don't you, with Mandelson and um, and I, I put a tweet out the other day because Kinnock's now been given a, oh, you know, what is it, what is it modernising the Labour Party, and I put it's just become an old boys network and and it it does seem like that now and these people what i mentioned before can't let go think they know better than everybody else trying to replicate what they did late well 80s 90s and it society's changed people have changed we've got covid climate change 11 years of austerity people are suffering very different society than it was when they were leaders and we've also, of course, got Keir Starmer in the mix, who ha- hasn't got the political mouse to actually lead opposition, proper opposition. So it's a very this power um, is a is is a very interesting thing at the moment of what we're seeing happening in our politics. And I had to smile because um, it's great news about um, Nazanin Zaghari Radcliffe being released. Um, and, and I'm so pleased for her and her family. And, uh, you know, I think I think that's absolutely great news. But then you see these politicians all vying for position, you know, who did what for her and who, you know, and all the rest of it. And it just made me smile because I saw a photograph of Starmer and co. Uh, with with uh, and, and and family. Um, and they're all vying for position to get next to her, you know, and it's just physically that positioning as well. And it reminded me, actually, of um, it still makes me laugh. And I'm, I am on with my book uh, at the moment. It's taking longer than I thought because of all the other stuff I do. But uh, but I was remembering um, the 100 year anniversary of women getting the vote. And um, we we had uh, all the female MPs were asked to meet Theresa May. It's 2018 uh, in the um, uh, members' lobby, and um, early morning for an early morning shoot when she could make it. Uh, and the actual act was was laid out in a glass case, and we were having a photo call. And I was quite new to the game, really, you know. And we went to get this photo, and I was literally pushed over by, by some of the women <laughs> trying to get on the photograph and that was one of the biggest things for me when I first got there when they'd have photographs of groups of MPs that I, I just wasn't used to that culture of literally 
elbowing people out of the way to get to the front to have your, your face on the photo, you know. And I think I've got a copy somewhere of that photo with Theresa May that, that day uh, with the 100-year anniversary of the women getting the vote. And I think I've just got the one side of the corner of my head on the photo <laughs> <laughs> to remember. <laughs> you're you're like the opposite of Liz Trust. <laughs> where she gets like seven or eight photos a day in different outfits put on all of the I mean, media. I know, well, I know as a politician, you do need to get your face out there and then all this, but it just made me laugh so much that day because there, <laughs> there were literally hundreds of women and some of them were just, boom, you know, they were pushed to one side. I think you've <laughs> got to know how to play, play that. It's like a game, really, and I, I'm, I'm new to it, to be honest. But I do know that, so in the media, because I, I come up against quite a bit of that if I go to a media-type party or whatever, it is a very much about getting into position and, you know, who's the agent, who hands out the jobs, who... I mean, it isn't like... It almost is blatant, really. You know, just like, well, who's the most famous person in the room? And da-da-da-da-da, and everybody kind of lines up, and then there's all the people that are nobody... They're up there to one side talking to each other. You know, it's it's very interesting. But what I was going to say about this other thing, about that, to try and kind of find a way through this, originally, and I don't know who did this, but the system has been set up very well, actually. But it's been up. The problem is that the politicians understand that they need the power to get what they want to do done. And so the balancing things that have been put in place, like the judiciary and the media, that help control that kind of power-hungry politicians, because they're the guys that really drive things. So the, the politicians worked out that they need to, you know, take away the power of the, the judiciary and control the media. And if I look at what's happened through my lifetime, I can see that gradually, 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 that's what's happened. It's, it's accelerated. I don't know whether it's accelerated or whether I've just become more aware of it, perhaps in the last 10, 10, 15, 20 years. But it's now like the media is completely in the hands of the politicians. Or, or if not, the politicians maybe are in completely in the hands of people that own the media. It's all kind of blurred together somehow. And they've got colossal power with no media control over them, apart from a few mavericks on the side who really don't get any airtime. And then the judiciary occasionally fight back and say, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. You'll that goes against the justice and da, 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 da. But slowly, 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 the politicians appoint the people into the ju judiciary that they know they can control. And before you know it, that's being watered down as well. And this. And it's really um, dangerous. And in this country, we don't have a constitution, I don't think. And I think that makes a difference, too, because in, in America, there is a constitution and it is like um, sacred. But even so, if you look at what's happened with Trump uh, and how he controlled the media and, uh, and how he put in his own Supreme Court judges and all of that, it's, it's, it's an interesting game. But it's very, very dodgy and it does need to be policed so that it doesn't. That's kind of why. And again, I'm risking my career as a podcast host here. Uh, one thing I did like about the European Union, and I know people hate them, but one thing I did like about them was that their bureaucracy and all of that stuff, it did kind of control the mad people a bit. 
And, and, and it, I understand that it kind of uh, prevents you dealing with things perhaps as quickly as you'd like and all the rest of it. But it puts the brakes on the mad, I say, the extreme people. And, and we've lost that in this country. And we've been taken over by what are, they're extremists, really. Extreme right wing, really. No, I agree. I mean, I think what's happening with the war at the moment, when you see um, EU members and leaders meeting together to have, you know, very, well, emergency discussions, and we're not part of that, I, it, it really does concern me that, that, you know, over issues like this, when we're not part of that, and what's happening in Europe, not being discussed um, about Europe with leaders of European countries I, th I think that's really worrying and upsetting um, one thing I did want to mention before we finished Tom is um, the idea of power and status you know earlier you were talking about just going back to what you were saying earlier about um, wealthy uh, having that power and privilege and all the rest of it but no matter how wealthy somebody is it seems to me that they're still very keen on the status and people looking up to them, not just because of their money. Um, and, and this is where we get this idea of buying honours or, you know, seeking to get in the Lords or to have that status. And I think for many people, it's not just about having money. It's about having that status and that title that's so important to them. And I think this is where we, you know, we've got this idea of, of corruption, uh, of people um, working their way into that system and becoming part, becoming a member of the Lords, for instance. Um, and we're seeing it more glaringly nowadays, I think, than we've ever seen it before, where we've got people now going into the Lords. And it's clearly for past services or whatever, and it does seem very corrupt, very corrupt. I mean, I know there are members in the Lords that are very hardworking and are people of integrity, but there seem to be an awful lot in there now that seem to be there for the status and, and not for anything particularly that they can offer. So I, I think that's an interesting question. Yeah, whether it's, totally, totally agree, Thelma. I mean, that's an anachronism, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. Okay, that was great chat, Thelma, and I hope we've co we covered a lot of ground there, and um, we've, we've no doubt missed out lots of stuff. Um, but anyway, Veruca, I hope you enjoyed listening to that, and to get get back to us and let you know, let us know what you think. And um, I'm sure we could come back and cover some more stuff if if we've missed out anything important. Yeah, brilliant to talk to you again, Thelma. Always look forward to it, and. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've got a podcast coming up next week as well, which is going to be a, a, a really interesting one. So I'm looking forward to that too. I think that's, um, that's to do with education. Yeah. Great to talk to you, Tom. I've got uh, some words from Malcolm X to leave us with. I have more respect for a man who lets me know where he stands, even if he's wrong, than the one who comes up like an angel and is nothing but a devil. Solidarity. Solidarity.